It's the Sleepers Podcast, and more importantly, this is the long-awaited debut of a friend of the Sleepers Podcast, a notable friend of the Sleepers Podcast. Sometimes we joke about friends that we have, and everyone's like, who's that guy? Or it's like very clearly a joke because it's someone that doesn't really know who we are. Kevin Sweeney is actually a friend of the Sleepers Podcast. This is Sports Illustrated's own Kevin Sweeney. You've seen him on the Field of 68 after dark. You've read his work at Sports Illustrated, and you've seen him with the Sleepers at Big Ten Media Day, where we met for the first time. He's a noted bird scooter supporter, uh, and he made some time for us tonight. So, Kevin, thank you so much for being here, dude. How you doing? Good, man. Uh, appreciate you guys having me on. I know I was I was slandered a little bit when I was told that, quote, no one wants to read your interview with Kevin Warren. So I was I was boycotting the sleepers for a bit. But, uh, you know, when the text came, I said, you know, I have to I have to show some support to my boy. So we're here. I'm, I'm glad we could work past that, Sweeney. And just for your information, that was a torn thing for the sleepers. I was very interested to see what had to be said. Greg, on the other hand, was a little more hard headed about it. But, you know, if, if Sweeney's putting it out there, I'm, I'm going to read it. That's just is what it is. That's why yeah, I think, team part. I think, to be honest, the quote was not, no one wants to read your article about Kevin Warren. I think it was no one wants to read anything about Kevin Warren. Because you know damn well, Carter and I intentionally skipped Kevin Warren's press conference at Big Ten Media Day. Uh, it is what it is. But I would read anything that Kevin Sweeney writes. And that's why we're all on a podcast here together today. I have a game, spoiler alert for the rest of this episode. I have a game that I'm going to mercilessly force these two to play with me. That's one of the dumber things I've come up with in a while. We're going to assign some college basketball bowl games. If a comet just came down and wiped out the NCAA tournament and college basketball went the bowl game route, these are the bowl games that I would personally nominate 16 teams to. So we will talk about those. But first, fellas, we have to acknowledge what is happening in the sport right now, which is we're getting ravaged by COVID-19 yet again. We have cancellations everywhere. It's hard to even look at a schedule and see what games are coming because they are all getting postponed or canceled. It seems like every single day, Carter, I'm going to throw it your way first because I can see the sadness on your face. My friend, how do you feel about all of this? Yeah. I'm going to use a quick TikTok reference for all my TikTokers out there. College basketball. Come, come, come to Coney Island, take a spin on the cyclone. I miss you. And that's what I do. I miss college basketball. I miss coming home. I miss watching games. I miss watching teams compete. This whole COVID situation needs to be figured out. Mark Emmert, if this somehow comes across your airways, get off your ass, my boy. Make yourself known. Make yourself seen. And just make a move. You know, I'm not saying you got to change things or fix things. Just like do something like I feel like I'm just poking a dead animal with a stick. Just like, come on, Mark, just, just do something, man, because I'm sick of all these cancellations. I can't take it anymore. I'm gonna go crazy. It sucks. It really does. Um, I will say this. Um, the good thing is that, you know, last year there were some some you know, it was, you know, not, no one died or anything. But last year they, we did everything we did from a protocol standpoint because we were worried that someone was going to get really, really sick. Fortunately, right now, no one from what I know that I've talked to is getting really sick. Like I talked to a big 10 team today that just went on pause. They, they, they tested after Christmas, they had 10 positives. All of them were asymptomatic. Like they just found 10, like it's just ripping through again. And we're just, I think right now everyone's just trying to figure it out. Cause it's just so different than what we've experienced the last like 18 months. So it's gonna be a bumpy couple of weeks as we figure some things, some things out, hopefully, um, hopefully, you know, Mark Emmert and Dan Gavitt and uh, you know, certainly all the conference commissioners and the conference doctors that can, switch around things is necessary to 
get the schedule back on track because right now it's a uh, it's a little hairy. It's a little not nothing nothing smooth about a uh, college basketball schedules right now. Nothing smooth. Sweeney, where do you think this goes? Because I feel like weeks ago, when just the very first cancellations were starting to come out, you were one of the most vocal people, at least behind the scenes vocally, from what I read, of like, the protocols need to change here or we're in trouble. Where do you think this goes? There's there's news coming out today that the guidelines for how long you need to quarantine are being adjusted. How does that apply to college basketball programs? So, yeah, the, the CDC just adjusted, adjusted. So essentially, instead of, you know, you test positive, you sit out for 10 days, it's you sit out five days and then you're supposed to wear a mask for five days. That's not like really feasible in college basketball. You can't be like, oh, you're out five days and you just go out and like play on an N95 the next day. Like this doesn't seem like something you could do, but they'll have some adjusted things. The ACC just put out their uh, protocols. We'll I'll see. We'll see others follow. The ACC is now just if you test negative twice if, after and no longer are symptomatic, you're clear or if it's been seven days then you're clear. So there's, you know, that those things will help, right? You can just figure right now, like a team like Duke goes on pause because they have a bunch of positive cases after Christmas, they cancel out like 10 days worth of games. Now you can cancel out five days, five days worth of games. That helps, right? That, that helps with the schedule. There's other stuff that, that needs to be considered um, like testing protocol wise um, right now, essentially what's happening. I, I would liken it to, um, you know, testing of his house is on fire once you can already see the flames, right? So essentially what's happening right now is, uh, a kid comes in, he has COVID symptoms, or he's coughing or he's got a sore throat, he's running out, whatever. And the trainer says you should get tested. The trainer tests the kid. The kid is positive. Okay. Now we test the whole team because they've all been in contact with the player. We find like seven asymptomatic cases. Now the team's on pause for two weeks. Right. So th- that that's like the common story you hear when you talk to coaches around the country. So the question is, how can we like adjust that? Some people say, okay, we stop testing asymptomatic people altogether. Like even if they've been in contact, I don't know if that's the right answer but it's something that's been discussed. We'll see if it, see what occurs. My guess is what will happen is we'll see how like the NCAA and the conference commissioners will see how the next two weeks or so go with the shortened isolation period, see if that's enough. And if that's not enough, then maybe, you know, further adjustments can happen. I think the biggest thing though, and I've tweeted this, like, like I said, last, last year was all about health and safety. We were worried about someone getting sick right now. It feels to me more like a logistical issue. Like we just can't find a way to not have, a team have 10 positives at a time, but we're not really worried about those 10 positives. We're not doing anything to stop those 10 players from being positive. We're filling the stands. We're letting kids go to go wherever they want. They're going to class. They're going to the movies. They're going to you know the bar, whatever. They're not doing anything to protect themselves. They're just like, oops, we have 10 positive. We have to shut down for two weeks. So like, how do we adjust our protocols to allow ourselves to play through that? I don't know what the answer is, but it's what's being discussed right now. And hopefully the isolation period is shortening, simplifies some things a little bit, at least in the medium term. Yeah, it feels like discussions happening is what matters at this point. If we're not all the way to adjustments already being made, the fact that it's being talked about is good. It's crazy to think about this being the third college basketball season in a row that is affected by this, right? We lost March Madness two years ago. Last year, somehow we got to the finish line. It was a very curvy road to get there, but we got there. This year was very smooth start, and all of a sudden – you know, the, the new variant comes up and here we are. Um, but I think, a- as you mentioned, it's all about can we get the new rules to reflect the new state of this variant and the reality of the phase that we're at on of learning how to live with this and cope with this and continue to not suspend games for people that aren't even showing symptoms. And that's what we will see. My wishes go to all players in this. I still can't imagine being a college basketball player like 
how, how would you even go through this? Like whether you are positive, negative, or just asymptomatic, symptomatic, whatever, like trying to be a student athlete in today's world must be the hardest thing to possibly do. I can't imagine. So kudos to those going through this. Uh, and I really just hope we get some games here again soon so that Carter Elliott can be happy again. True. And that's tough being a college basketball player and having a good game and having to go back to your dorm afterwards. Yikes. <laughs> but mask up, wash your hands, and maybe, maybe the NCAA should hit up Sweeney. Because I feel like he can get to the bottom of this. He's got the answer. Oh. They want to listen. I don't know are if they're you, willing to listen. Are you going thing. formal, like write-in ballot, Kevin Sweeney, for a role in the NCAA? I will. I will. I will a hundred percent spearhead the campaign to make it happen. I don't want that job. I'm good with my job. <laughs> you do have <laughs> a pretty cool job, though, for the record. So, like, I don't blame you there. It's great. Uh, all right, let's uh, let's move on a lighter note here to my stupid game. So we're gonna we're gonna play the bowl game game. And how this is going to work, I sent a text to these two about an hour ago that has eight names of eight fake college basketball bowl games. I'd like you guys to alternate and go one by one and pick one of those eight. And when you have selected one of those eight, I will then read you a description or a statement that comes from the sponsors of said fake bowl game. From there, I would like the two of you to guess who got the invite to this game. There are two teams for each game. And then the three of us will discuss who would hypothetically win this matchup. Would we be excited for this matchup and anything important that we need to talk about either of the teams in this matchup, some qualifications that went into this. I did clearly put some time and effort into this. Uh, All of these teams have to be top 100 Ken Palm teams. You don't get a bowl invite for being a horrible team. So these teams have earned their way here. And all of these teams have not played each other up to this point in the season that at least that I am aware of because I did not fact check myself, but I don't believe any of these teams have played. Uh, And we'll go through that. There's eight of them. uh, And that should take us through the podcast. Any questions before we get started? fellas? I'm good. I'm good. I'm glad you put all this time and thought into this G because if it was up to me, God knows what the hell we would have been talking about, but I appreciate you. Hey, we got to play our roll cart. It is what it is. Uh, All right. Let's, let's have our, Esteemed guest Kevin Sweeney pick first. Which bowl would you like to start with here? Let's uh let's start with the uh Publix Eat a W bowl. All right. So that is the Publix Eat a W bowl. And I'll give you the little statement from Publix on this one. Publix is pleased to honor the two winningest programs this college basketball season. There's no time to eat an L. We've only got room for W's. Sweeney, you go first since you nominated this one. What two teams am I inviting to this bowl game? Um, well, I would think that Baylor, the defending national champions and undefeated, but they're in the top four, so it's not Baylor, I think. So there are three, to my knowledge, 12-0 and 0 teams, LSU, USC, and Iowa State. I'm assuming it's from that trio. I'm going uh, to say it's LSU and Iowa State. You got one of two. You got LSU. LSU has been invited to the Publix Eat a W Bowl. Carter, you want to guess the other one? Mm-hmm. Use, use your deduction here. Sweeney was pretty close. <laughs> he laid it out pretty well for you. He did. He did. Um, let's see here. I'm going to go with... Hmm. think you're overthinking this card. Yeah, I mean, come on, dude. <laughs> yeah, I'll be honest because I wasn't paying attention to what Sweeney said at the last part of that. 
All right, it's LSU and USC. Jesus Christ, Carter. This is as bad of a start as we could have had. Uh, I love a podcast. I'm sorry. I had an ESPN notification come across my phone. I got a little action on the Miami Dolphins game. I'm sorry. Um, let me let me put this to the side a little bit. I'm sorry. <laughs> the Dolphins are up 10-0, by the way, because I also I know the thing is, Greg, I usually don't look at my phone when we're podcasting because of stuff like that, but I also had our text up of all the bowl so i could see that so i apologize how dare you disrespect kevin sweeney we'll get you back for that at some point during the show but yes i've invited usc and lsu to the public's eat a w bowl sweeney your reasoning was correct baylor is not invited to this bowl game because presumably they have made the final four which we will get to at the end of this just like the college football playoff system in the greg waddell playoff system here there is a final four playoff teams Uh, USC and LSU are both undefeated. USC and LSU, to me, this season are two teams that I still don't truly believe in. I believe in LSU, I think, more than I believe in USC at this point. But I would be pretty shocked if either of these teams made a sweet 16. And I'd love for one of you two to convince me that I'm crazy or that I'm wrong for that. Sweeney, am I wrong on either of those? I mean, I keep looking at LSU's defensive Ken Palm number and being just like completely baffled. And I get that the personnel is really good. It's, it's guys that should be really good defenders or they're long athletic. You know, they, they want to be in passing lanes and that's that, but like Will Wade's defenses have been dreadful for like four years. And all of a sudden he just shows up one morning. He's got, you know, a top, you know, top one Ken Palm defense doesn't make any sense. So uh, I'm skittish, but still sort of in on LSU is like a, at least like a top 15 ish team for now. Uh, and we'll see how SEC plays. I'm definitely not as in on a USC. I get they're scrappy. I think Mobley's really good. I, j- I just don't – I don't see that, you know, I think I think on this this program or either – it might have been Field 68 where uh, I believe Carter said that Drew Peterson looks like Greg Waddell. And I think that's that's a little true true for me to uh, to not think that USC is a, a top 10 team. I just can't see a team with, with Greg starting in the starting five as a, as a top 15 caliber team. Yeah, to be fair, that's not a good thing for USC. I'm willing to admit that. Uh, I looked up LSU here. They do have the number one defense on Kempon, which is crazy. They have not beaten a team ranked in the top 50 on Kempon, which obviously means they haven't played one either. Their best win right now is against Belmont, who, don't get me wrong, Belmont's a solid team, and LSU blew them out. But, like, beyond that, an overtime win on a neutral floor against Penn State, a 14-point win against Wake Forest, a nine-point win against Louisiana Tech. I just feel like this is maybe, I don't know, a sheep in wolves clothing right now to flip it. I just don't really think either of these teams is for real. Carter, if you had to pick LSU or USC, which team has a better shot at making a Sweet 16? I think I'd pick LSU just because, one, because of the defensive strengths. I mean, obviously, like Sweeney said, I can't believe that they actually are doing it. Like, I thought the only thing Will Wade was good at was cheating and getting away with it. But obviously, he can actually teach some defensive principles and get his players to buy into playing defense. And with the whole USC thing, like, as good of a college player that I think Isaiah Mobley is, like, is an Isaiah Mobley being the best player on a college basketball team, a Sweet 16 team? I don't think so. I just don't really buy into the whole Drew Peterson and Ethan Anderson like hype. It's just not really there for me. It's not a team that I can really get behind. Uh, at least LSU has some players that I think can, you know, it, they're they're honestly fun to watch. I think they, you know, when they play defense and they get out in transition, it's very fun to watch. Uh, I think they obviously need to play some better competition. But if I had to pick between the two, I'm definitely rolling with uh, Will Wade and the crew. 
So I just pulled up USC schedule. They don't play. They haven't. They probably haven't played anybody yet, have they? The, I, the, uh, San Diego State, Washington State, the two top 50 teams they beat. They also beat Utah. They don't play another top 50 team until February 5th when they play Arizona. They play Arizona, and then they get UCLA twice in February and March. There's a very real chance USC just kind of sleepwalks their way to 20-0 and 0 before they even get to that Arizona game. I don't think that happens just because – I think it's hard for any team to go 20 and 0, no matter who they play, but it's not exactly like they're going to be thrown into the gauntlet in the Pac 12, maybe the way the LSU team will in the SEC. At least there's going to be some night in, night out battles there. All right. So, are we consensus here that if LSU played USC in the public's eat a W Bowl, we would all be leaning LSU to win that game? Yeah. Yeah. Also, that would be an 11 a.m. bowl game, too, by the way. <laughs> yeah, good point. All right. Congrats to the LSU Tigers, the Publix Eat a W Bowl inaugural champions. Carter, I'd like you to select our next one from the list that I sent you. Where do you want to go? I'm going to go with let's go with the White Claw Uber Bowl. All right. We're going to talk about the White Claw Uber Bowl. Here's the official statement from the White Claw Uber Bowl. Pick and roll. March in madness. White Claws and Uber. The White Claw Uber Bowl extends an invite to two teams who are ready to bring their own party to the big dance. Carter, what two teams have received an invite to the White Claw Uber Bowl? Okay, so one has to be Gonzaga. Gonzaga has been invited to the White Claw Uber Bowl. Okay. And then the other, ooh. It can't be Duke, right? You tell me, my friend. Duke. It's not Duke qualifications. You probably were sleeping through that part as well. Teams that have not played each other this season. Sweeney, you want to tell them who I'm going with for the white claw Uber bowl? I don't even know if I, I don't have another guess. I mean, Gonzaga and you, you know, Gonzaga and Duke were the two obvious uh, Uber jokes. I feel oh, like. Wait, Syracuse, not, not Syracuse. Come on. We're close. We're close. This was a preseason DUI for the record. Oh, Kansas, Jalen Wilson, Jalen Wilson. Thank you. Gonzaga and Kansas have been invited to the inaugural White Claw Uber Bowl. Folks, this would be a good matchup. Like, this is like in college football where the team that just gets snubbed from the playoff comes out and they feel like they got something to prove. Gonzaga and Kansas, two legitimate Final Four contenders, two teams that legitimately do have a problem with driving while intoxicated. Uh, I think Gonzaga is a little bit better than Kansas from my perspective right now, but I also feel like I've just forgotten about Kansas, full disclosure. Don't feel like I've watched a ton of Kansas this year. Like I watched them in the champions classic. They look great. And then I've score watched for them pretty much the rest of the non-conference. Like I know they're good. I just don't know that I think they're great. Carter, where do you stand on these two teams? Uh, I mean, to echo what you said, this is a great matchup between two teams that I think are in contention to teams that I think could like make a final four and win it all. Cause I think that Ochai Baji is one of the best players in college basketball right now that he doesn't really get mentioned as much as I think he should, but he is having an unreal year. He's scoring, he's being aggressive. He's still playing the defense that he plays and he plays the game the right way. And I know you don't like Scooter Braun, but Scooter Braun has been playing well this year. Remy Barton has bought in so far to Bill Self and just been himself. And it's actually working with this team. I like their parts. McCormick is just a good old, you know, college big that plays his role and you can count on him to play hard. I like this Kansas team a lot, and I think that they are a very dangerous team. Um, so if I had to pick right now, I think I might pick them at this moment over Gonzaga as much as I do love Gonzaga and Drew Timmy in the game. 
Wow. I mean, Oshay Agbaji shooting 56% from the field and 48% from three and averaging 22 points a game. Like, that's pretty absurd. Well, that's he's player in- of the year numbers. And I feel like when people bring up player of the year, he's like the fifth person mentioned. It's because Oshay Agbaji's boring. That's the problem. <laughs> like, like, have, like, we need some like mustache. You know, we don't have him like running around like with a mustache like Drew Timmy. If he was, if, if he had a thing, like if, 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 if Agbaji had a thing, he'd be a national player of the year candidate. Even if he had like a defining characteristic, like if he had buddy healed teeth, He'd be a national player of the year. If, if if it was him that got the DUI instead of Jalen yeah. Wilson, would no. we be would he be in this category? Yes. Agbaji's the designated driver, is what we're learning here. Which, like, as much as you need that, and as much as that's a redeeming quality, not exactly the spiciest thing that's gonna get you the headlines there. Uh if he had buddy healed teeth, that's an all-timer quote, Sweeney. Thank you for that one. Uh Sweeney, gun to your head. Who goes farther in March? Gonzaga or Kansas? I kind of think Kansas does. Wow. I, I don't, I love Gonzaga. I love everything about Mark Few and like the whole, except for the DUI. I mean, I think they keep it a fantastic job. I think I've been impressed. Yeah. Like, I, I think there's been like a little bit of an overreaction of like, wow, Gonzaga's having issues. It's like, wow, they, they lost to Alabama and Duke. What a, what, what a sin, you know? But I think, I think Kansas is really good. You know, like they're, that loss to Dayton was like the flukiest thing in the world. They're dominating that game. All of a sudden, they miss a couple shots. Dayton hits two threes, and the crowd goes crazy. And all of a sudden, it flips. The game flips on. But this team is really old. They've got great shot makers. They've got a, a big in McCormick who can kind of anchor the post. I think. I think they're really good. I think they're a Final Four team. So, uh, to me, I'll, I'll I'll take the slightly in Kansas over Gonzaga. Carter David, I I got a little magnifying glass on Mark Few. I'm going to start asking some questions. You want to start right now? Yeah, I might. I'm just saying, man, we got a number one, number two, top three certified pick. And, you know, you're out there using him like he's not that. And I don't really like it because I'm team Chet Holmgren. I think Chet is the number one pick still right now. If I'm an NBA GM, I'm still picking Chet number one. And I do not think he's being utilized correctly or used or showcased in the correct way. And that's not all on Mark Few. It's definitely on Chet a little bit, too. He is the player. But also your coach is supposed to put you in the best spots to showcase your abilities and your skills. And, you know, we all love Drew Timmy. We all do. But at the same time, like we all don't for the record, we we, we all do not love Drew Timmy. I despise Drew Timmy. You knew that also. Okay. well, sorry. I love Drew Timmy. Yes. Okay. Like I said, he's in my top five whites of all time. But, you know, I don't think they're using Chet in the correct way. I don't think they are either. But I also think like. I, I don't think that him not using Chet in the right way has hurt Gonzaga. Like, I think that's on Chet for going to Gonzaga in the first place. Because when he committed there, I was like, this sucks. He committed to a team that doesn't need Chet Holmgren to be the best version of Chet Holmgren in order to have success. Like, maybe they get there, and obviously Chet Holmgren being the best version of himself would help them. But, like, I don't know. I don't know that they need Chet to be, like, what the best college version of Chet would look like even for them to have. Like, it's Drew Timmy's world. Chet Holmgren is like what the third option on that team. And it is what it is. Cause they're a really good team, but like that kills me. Like what would Chet Holmgren look like at a different school? I don't even have one off the top of my head, but like, if he just went to like a top 15 team that wasn't Gonzaga, doesn't he look totally different numbers wise? Yeah. I mean, great. I mean, he would, Oh, uh, we said top 15 teams. I was going to say Michigan, but like a Michigan state, uh, you know, one of the teams like that. Look great. Well done. Uh, Carter, for some reason, every time someone says David McCormick, it makes me think of like a center that you would have been benched for 
in college and like you'd be grumpy because you feel like you're more talented than him, but he's just solid. Am I crazy for those vibes? Uh, not really. I mean, yeah, kind of. But like, I also know that there's no way that David McCormack as a whole is bringing everything that I am to the table. <laughs> All right. Good to know. Gonzaga, or Kansas in the White Claw Uber Bowl. Who wins that game? I'm going to say Gonzaga does. I'll say Kansas. I'll take Kansas as well. Wow. Okay. Point for the Jayhawks. Uh, Sweeney, it's back to you. Where you want to go next? All right, we we got to get to the uh, the battery daddy urgent care bowl. <laughs> All right, this is the battery daddy urgent care bowl. Battery daddy is delighted to extend an invite to two of the most bipolar teams in college basketball who may have been on life support early, but are just one simple spark away from reaching their preseason expectations. Folks, these are two teams that have underwhelmed that I still believe in. I can't shake myself. And Battery Daddy's going to help me get there. Sweeney, who am I talking about? Man, this is hard. I want to say Illinois is in this mix. I feel like they're like the type of team where they've been a little bit underwhelming. They haven't won any big games, but they still have Kofi. They still have these guards. I feel like they're, they're an interesting pick there. I'll say Illinois, and I'll say Texas. Illinois and Texas. While both of those teams would apply, neither of those received the invite to Battery Daddy Urgent Care Bowl. Carter, any thoughts here? Damn, I was. De- I definitely thought Illinois was one of them. It's Illinois Memphis. has been too good. Illinois has been it, too good. Is Memphis? Is Memphis one of the teams? Oh, Memphis, yeah. Memphis yeah. is one. Memphis Come on, is Cart. One and- Come on, Cart. And then the other team is uh, – I honestly thought that Illinois was a, a given for this. Okay, Cart, who's the team from a betting Mich- perspective? No, Michigan? Not, not Michigan. Who's the, who's the team from a betting perspective with daily picks that I cannot shake? I keep falling for the trap. Who is it? Uh, do, 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 do. Alabama? It's Oregon. It's the yeah, Ducks. I, I knew it was Oregon as soon as you as – soon Okay, as no, that, that, see, that doesn't apply because they don't have a pulse. I think they do. I think they, they do. I think, the, I, I think hooked, the Baylor I, game was I their fault. If I got my battery daddy right now <laughs> and hooked it up to Dana Altman, it would be flatlining. They are done. No. Busted, dead duck. Put them in the air. Boom, boom. Dead. <laughs> gone. Now, listen, man. The, the Baylor game was their pulse. I have no idea how they went toe-to-toe with the best team in the country and gave them a legitimate shot for 40 minutes. And they did. Okay, you're you're hey. giving them what you're giving away. You're giving them a participation banner because they went toe to toe on that ugly ass court with Baylor, and they still lost. Did you not see the shots? They were like, if Davion Harmon plays half as well as he did that game on a foggy Thursday night at 11 p.m. Eastern time on the West Coast against California, like Oregon is an eight seed in the NCAA tournament. I think that, that team lost by 50 on national TV to Barcelo in the game. It wasn't on national TV, I'm pretty sure. It or was. at least I had a conflict because I didn't see it. That's well, I, th- I think that contributes, though. Like, I, I, I think about this all the time. Because it's impossible for all of us to watch every game, especially for the first month and a half, our views are entirely shaped by, like, a game or two and whatever Ken Palm says. And the only Oregon team I've – only only Oregon game that I've really seen a lot of was the game I was at, Houston, Oregon, uh, the first game of the Wednesday of the Maui Invitational. And – you know, Oregon was just dead on arrival. Like they were so dreadfully bad. They didn't look like they wanted to be there. Their culture looked terrible. Like their Quincy Garrier basically just like tapped out with 10 minutes to go. He's like, I'm done here. I'll leave. Like it's so hard to shake that feeling. 
without and again like it's not like the results have drastically changed in their favor yeah maybe you feel better about it after the baylor game yeah i trust dana Altman in march in march to get it going but like it seemed kind of feels that large or bust right now so i mean i think they have a pulse it's a very faint one the talent is there but the uh the complete lack of fight that i saw from them against houston will linger in my mind for the rest of the season this this podcast is so lucky. I cannot do a duck call because I would do the best dead duck call of all time right now if I could. I'm just letting you know. Okay, so if we're torn on Oregon, that's fine. Memphis, regardless of what you think of the Tigers, they got a little spark and a little heartbeat just from the fact that Houston got like 17 injuries over the weekend. Like by default, Memphis could be the favorite in this conference now. Is that crazy to say? Who's their coach? Penny Hardaway. It, it is kind of crazy to say then. You're not buying this after the Alabama win? Nah. What can they do to prove to you that they're at least a team? Like, are they they're a tournament team regardless, right? Whoa. I think they're tournament talent, but like their resume has some some flaws here. Yeah, I mean they are they, they I mean they already got some bad losses, do they not? They have bad losses for sure. They also have a yeah. good win. I'm I'm worried about – I mean, I think they'll get in, but, like, the fact that they won't – now Houston may not wind up being, like, a top 15 caliber opportunity for them on their schedule. And maybe the conference season you want to playing, like, 14 games to the 18. Like, I think it's going to be harder. I, I do think they probably sneak in the NCAA tournament, but it's going to be close. It's going to be really tight. I will say this. I've been in New York, so I've been able to get on my uh, – get, get on my, my sports book and gamble, but – if I had been able to, when I saw the uh, Sasser injury news, I would have absolutely tossed a couple bucks on UCF as a AAC conference future. Just like see wow. if I can roll the dice. There's like someone has to win the league, right? I mean, I think it's probably still Houston, but if Tyler Edwards is out for a while and he's got like a, he, he's in a boot right now, their best guard is Jamal Shed. Do you do you could you pick Jamal Shed out of a lineup, Carter? <laughs> I, uh, I honestly I could because I am Houston's biggest fan. I'll let you know that Sweeney. I really could. But th- th- this isn't about Houston for me. This is about Memphis. Like they're gonna, they are gonna shoot themselves in the foot. This is a ticking time bomb. I'm still convinced that was a great game so that they can lean back on and be happy for a little bit. But I'm telling you, this is a toxic situation. This is bad girls club level toxicity. If that's a, if I pronounce that correctly, this is a ticking time bomb that is going to blow. There's way too many personalities on that team, way too much stuff going on. And Penny is not the coach to keep that shit all cohesive and together. She's going to blow. Okay. Oregon, Memphis, quick rapid fire, one word answer. How many of those two teams make the NCAA tournament? I'm saying two. One. One. Wow. I'm not even going to let the people know who you think that one is. We're just going to go to silence there. Uh, well, maybe this will tell people. Oregon or Memphis, who wins the Battery Daddy Urgent Care Bowl? Oregon. Dana Altman. Penny Hardaway. Good. What? Oregon and hammer the under. It's Oregon by default. I'm I'm sweeping this for the Ducks as well. And I do think the Ducks are going to turn this around. Even if it's a fake Pac-12 turnaround, I think it's going to be a turnaround. Carter, it's your turn, my friend. Where are we going next? We got five bowl games left. Uh, I'm going to go to the Fox News floor general bowl. Carter, if you don't nail the two teams here, I'm going to be upset with you. The Fox News floor general bowl is all caps privileged 
to recognize two programs that embody the toughness, grit, and glory of American college basketball. These teams are led by floor generals who bring back the student in the term student athlete and collectively will give fans of the red, whites, and blue a bowl game to celebrate. Who are we talking about, Cart? Okay, so for starters, the most outstanding player in this game will be Colin Gillespie and the Villanova Wildcats. <laughs> Correct. One for That's one. a given. One now, you one. threw me off with that red, white, and blue. The, the, I want to say the, the second ex- team is Virginia. <laughs> the exact quote was red, white, and blue. The second team is not Virginia? It's not Virginia. Sweeney, can you help him out? Is it BYU? Oh, it's not BYU. Come on. What do you guys have to get this one? I don't feel obligated. I, I'm, I know as soon as I'm told. Who embodies toughness, toughness, grit, white floor general, student athlete? Oh, Wisconsin, Brad Davison. Thank Boom. you. Thank you, yeah. sweetie. It's Wisconsin. I was thinking of Chucky Hepburn as their point guard. Like I was going I was to, thinking like, point guards. Point I was guard. thinking point guards, too. So I was thinking like C.A. Uh, Clark. Sure. I mean, it had, to be, it had to be Wisconsin Villanova. Like the, it, this game had to be. I also had, enjoy that. I also enjoy that through four bowls, we've made fun of DUIs and white privilege. And we're really killing this podcast here. I love it. Yeah, this is, I mean, I don't know what you could have expected when we invited you on this, but let it be known that I didn't tell Sweeney the gimmick until after he agreed to be on the show. So that's great news. I go on a lot of podcasts and this is way more fun than most. So like, let's, hey. let's keep rocking. We'll take it. All right. Villanova, Wisconsin, of all the ones we've done, I mean, Gonzaga, Kansas would be good, but like, I would enjoy watching a Villanova Wisconsin game, even though I root adamantly against both of these teams quite a bit. Uh, Johnny Davis is like everyone's darling right now. The field of 68 keeps doing the, like he's the big 10 player of the year thing, which like at some point they're going to let me in front of a microphone. I'm going to tell them how ridiculous that is because he's been really good, but he's definitely not the best player in the big 10. But Wisconsin's legit. Like it wouldn't shock me if Wisconsin ended up like second or third in the big 10 and gets like a four seed. Villanova, I think, kind of reasserted themselves with the win over Xavier, the comeback win over Xavier. That stat where they just don't lose at home is really crazy to me. Are you holding up four fingers because that's where Wisconsin is going to finish in the Big Ten? Is four? No, because no, that's where Villanova is going to finish in the Big East. Oh, wow. Okay, you're sticking to that even after Nova's resurgence. More of an Xavier letdown than a Villanova. Sorry, I can't say Xavier. Sorry, because those people are on my ass. More of a Xavier letdown than a Villanova resurgence in my eyes. So you, I mean, we, you've done so many Gillespie dialogues everywhere, but like the one place we've avoided that is on the sleepers podcast this year. You're really anti Colin Gillespie. Like that's not a gimmick. I am. He is, he is Aaron craft with this a bit more seasoning. That's it. He's got a little more wiggle to his game, but that's about it. I see through all that bullshit, man. You put a little pressure on him. He tightens up at that Baylor game. I literally, I literally, if I was and if I was a Tampax Playtex NIL person, I would contact Colin Gillespie because that's what he looked like out there in the second half. He tightened up. He was scared, soft. Oh my God, we had to let that one breathe for a moment, Sweeney. You, I, I mean, you are. This is not an insult, but you are big media. Sweeney, like you, you have a real job in this industry. You don't have a little sure. podcast like Sleepers Media. Are we crazy? Because everyone tells us we're crazy. I mean, I think you have to understand 
who Colin Gillespie is and like the larger context of like other Villanova point guards, right? Like I think he's store brand Archie Diakono, which is fine. Ryan Archie Diakono is a great, was a really good point guard. Ryan Archie Diakono also would not have looked that good if you didn't surround him with Josh Hart and Chris Jenkins and like pros, right? Like the big problem with the Villanova team right now is that they don't have that like go-to scorer who they can like let go win them a game, right? Like they don't have Josh Hart like operating in the mid post, just getting them buckets, right? Like they kind of need that. Um, and so for now you just have a lot of possessions where Colin Gillespie like backs his defender down into like 18 feet away and then tries to throw a cross court pass because he can't score from there. And it's like, all right, that's not that fun. Again, I get the whole, like, yeah, he's not the best point guard in college basketball. I'm fully on that train. Now I was, I was early. I, I was at, at one point I was, I was pro Gillespie as, as best point guard in the college basketball. Cause I couldn't find another person to take. Now I just like qualitatively watch him and say, this is not good enough, but I mean, I still think this is a good basketball team. Um, I still think this is a top 25 team. I think this is a team that will be in the mix for the Big East title. And Wisconsin, I also think it's a top 25 team with, with Davis. Um, you know, he's been terrific. Tyler Wall, again, small sample sizes of when you see teams. I watched three games of Wisconsin at the Mount Invitational, and all of a sudden Tyler Wall was like Kevin McHale in the post. I mean, it was ridiculous. Like the guy hit like six fadeaway jump shots from like six feet out. It was just preposterous. So, uh, I mean – if they can continue to get, get him playing well, and obviously Kral's been solid, they get like random contributions every so often, like Vote or Hepburn's been good defensively. Davison's Davison. I mean, I, I can't stand him, but like he's there. He's still still out there kicking. So, uh, you know, I, I, I think this would be a fun game. I would probably lean towards saying Villanova's a better team right now, but I think it's close. Greg, can I say one more thing real quick? Please. Sorry. I do say a lot of, I do slander Con Gillespie a lot, okay? But in all seriousness, like, my main points do kind of hold some value. Like, like Sweeney said, he is a good player, a good college player. I would even go above good. Like, he's bit, he's good. I don't think he's great, okay? He's an all-conference um, player. Either. Yes, yes, he is. And I think he needs to be surrounded by guys who can make plays for him. But the fact of the matter is, coming into this season, everyone was saying that Con Gillespie's ready to be that guy. And – you know, at times this year when Villanova's been struggling and they need a guy to go get a bucket, he hasn't been that guy to go get a bucket. So basically he hasn't been billed as advertised. So if there was a warranty on the Colin Gillespie's the best point guard in the country narrative, there would be a long line outside of whatever store it is, Sleepers Media, Field of 68, wherever, trying to turn that shit back in because they got a faulty product. That's all I'm saying. You acknowledged in the middle of that phenomenal rant that Colin Gillespie is an all-conference player. I can't believe you acknowledge that because you are also quoted on record of saying you would take Paul Scruggs over Colin Gillespie. I still would. So in what conference is Colin Gillespie an all-conference player to you then? You think all he's a top five? He's top all five conference, all conference is like what, three or four teams? Yeah, okay. like the th- I, think, I, think, I think Carter's saying he's like a second or third team all Big East. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right, we can get there. I'll take that. I, uh, if these two teams were to play, this screams to me a game where Villanova would be favored by like seven and a half, and I would get suckered into taking Villanova minus seven and a half, and then Wisconsin would jump out to like a six-point lead early, and like it would just never, ever be a thing where Villanova had a chance to cover. I, I don't know how Wisconsin's good, but I think they're good. Like 
it's probably just Johnny Davis, but also like Davison has actually been a playable player this year. Like last year, he shot like 32% from the floor. And this year he's like actually scoring 15 points a game on almost 40% shooting, hitting threes. He's not turning the ball over. He plays almost every single minute. Like, like you said, they have forwards and bigs that just kind of take turns being the guy. I can't believe Greg Gard is doing anything good, but somehow they're good to me. So if these two teams played, I think I would take Wisconsin. Who has a higher ceiling in March? I'm going to take Wisconsin because of Johnny Davis. And I want you two to answer that question as well. Who has the higher ceiling come March, Villanova or Wisconsin? Johnny Davis, Wisconsin, slightly. Yeah, Johnny Davis, Wisconsin. And I think that Wisconsin would cover in that game. I would not touch money line. Okay. Uh, Carter, if Jay Wright looked like Greg Gard, do you think that Villanova gets all the same love that they constantly get, like always a top 10 team? Not a chance. Jay Wright's handsomeness goes a long way. Long way. way. Thank you. I've been saying that for years. All right, so does does Wisconsin win that bowl game, or am I the only one who gave a pick there? I'm going Wisconsin. I'll take Villanova, but I think Wisconsin is a higher ceiling. Yeah, I'll take Villanova. Wow. All right, so Colin Gillespie gets to cut down the nets at the Fox News floor general. But in that game, it wouldn't be Gillespie. It would be more Slater because Chucky would have Gillespie in the absolute torture chamber. Just letting that be known. We could only be so lucky to have Villanova, Wisconsin in March, and who knows? Maybe we will get that. We're only halfway through these this bowl game game, so I'll try to keep this moving a little quicker on the second half. Sweeney, where we want to go next? There's four left. We gotta we gotta do the uh, Indeed.com job security bowl presented by Ancestry.com. This is my favorite bowl game name of this gimmick. This is the Indeed.com job security bowl presented by Ancestry.com. And we are honored to bring together two college basketball programs whose coaches' job security is outwardly solidified with a family culture, yet deep down a fresh start would do both teams wonders. Sweeney, who are we talking about here? A lot going into this one. Outwardly solidified. There's no way in hell Sweeney guesses this. This is so hard. This is a riddle. This is a true tongue twister. My like, my hunch would be someone like Fran McCaffrey at Iowa would be like a good, like good prediction here. Like I know we like think the Big Ten themes. Is Fran one of them? Ding ding ding! Fran okay. McCaffrey is number one. And if if you get number two, this is gold star for Kevin Sweeney. This is like this is so hard. Um, I feel like yeah. I mean, the problem is like who 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 like should get fired, but is not like close. I don't know. Mike I think Bray, I know Notre Dame. Cart, bring it home. Before Cart, Arizona State Hurley. Oh, no, incorrect. I was excited about that though. I don't know if Arizona State qualifies as a top 100 Ken Palm team. Oh, let's see. Uh, this is this is they a do. team who should be top of mind, folks. Family atmosphere. May have played today in the one game that was played today. Oh, oh, that's tough. We got Syracuse, folks. It's Syracuse, Iowa, in the Indeed.com Job Security Bowl presented by Ancestry.com. Look, Jim Beheim's been horrible. And I get that Jim Beheim will never be fired because he's Jim Beheim, but like Jim Beheim literally murdered someone. And we just let that happen and we moved on. And now he has both of his sons in the starting lineup. Like, and now they're five and five. Like, what are we doing with Syracuse right now? I don't understand how anyone's letting this slide. 
I will say, I mean, beyond like the like car accident thing, um, you know, like how many places that like consider themselves perennial top 25 programs, let's ignore the NCAA tournament success, would be remotely okay with the fact that since the 2014-15 season, Syracuse has missed the NCAA tournament three times and has never been better than an eight seed. Like, it's kind of crazy to think about. Like, it's a, a, like the program stands for mediocrity right now. Um, and the only thing that stands in between that is the fact that they just kind of randomly get – they've made three random second weekend or better runs in the NCAA tournament. Random I, I, runs. Random runs. Random. Like, there's, I will there's say, toxicity. There's toxicity. I will say, I hate I, – I, I, I cannot endorse any Fran McCaffrey slander as a proud oh. Sienna guy. Uh, as a proud former Little League teammate of Patrick McCaffrey, true story, uh, cannot endorse any Fran slander. Uh, that said, I understand, I understand your point. I think at the same time, the fact that I was like perennially in the mix to be on the Silver Tournament team feels like the ceiling there. You know, it's not a great job. They go dancing. They just had a two seed. I don't, I don't think there needs to be any movement on Fran. Yeah, he maybe he underwhelms the talent-wise. Maybe he doesn't go deep in March, but like, how much better is Iowa really doing? Yeah, I think you're right there. I think my take on Fran, as someone who's been a longtime Iowa fan and supporter, like I actually believe that Iowa basketball could be a sleeping giant. Like they should get every kid from Iowa. And I know there's not many kids from Iowa, but they should get every single kid from Iowa. Like just give me the best kids from Iowa every year and see what happens. Uh, I just feel like deep down Iowa fans can't say with a straight face that they like or trust Fran McCaffrey. No matter what he does. Like, I just, I feel like there's tension there. The same way there's tension at Syracuse with like every story that comes out about Jim Beheim's program right now is horrible. Like the whole Kadari Richmond nonsense. Like Beheim can't even say with a straight face good things about his own players right now. It's funny for me to watch. And in a hypothetical world where like a bowl game matters, this is like the first weekend bowl game where it's like two bad teams. Iowa's what they're 10 and two right now so like they've had a good record we'll see what happens in big 10 play but it's like a stylistic matchup that would be pretty fun the iowa offense against the two three zone i would pay good money to attend that bowl game if i had nothing i, I would score 110 points in this game I'm i just saying. you just said you would pay good money i'd rather shit in my hands and clap than watch a joe tucson and joe gerard pg matchup are you kidding me that is garbage, and Iowa would win by 20-plus, too, by the way. Carter, Syracuse, watched, Syracuse stinks. They're bad. They're I watched a little good. bit of, of Syracuse Brown, and, like, I just could not believe how many wide-open shots the Syracuse zone was conceding. Like, it's, it's, it's literally like high school basketball. It's like, all right, throw it to the high post, like, up fake, penetrate, kick to the corner, wide-open three every single time. It's going to get torched if they played a non-mid conference. Neither one of you think there's any sleeper potential with Syracuse? None whatsoever? I would. I mean, they got Buddy Buckets. So, like, obviously, like, out-of-body out experience, which could easily happen. It has happened. We've seen it happen. But otherwise, nah. Listen, They're 167th in Ken Palm defense. No thanks. Somebody has to be the second best team in the ACC and Syracuse is a long way away from that right now, but I like buddy. 
And I weirdly like Joe Second Girard. best team in the I, ACC? Oh, you're I, drunk. I, okay, third. I'm sorry. I forgot North you're Carolina. Still, you're this. still drunk. Uh, if it's them or Wake Forest, I could be talked into Syracuse. I'm just saying. Uh, Carter, can you give me the name of Syracuse's head coach real quick before we move on? Bayon. Nice. Good work. I'm proud of you. That's the first time Carter Elliott has ever correctly pronounced Jim Beheim's name on camera. Uh, You're improving, my friend. I'm really proud of you. And also kudos to you for knowing what segment we were doing and listening to everyone's responses for that entire time. Really well done. You contributed, my friend. Uh, So are we all, you're all on Iowa, I assume, for this one? Iowa beat Syracuse head-to-head? Yeah. Yes. Me too. Iowa clean clean sweep. Cart, three left. Where you want to go? Man, let me go. I'll go with the Amazon.com Salvation Army Bowl. All right, this is the Amazon.com Salvation Army Bowl. Amazon and Salvation Army are still confused about why they're being paired together, but collectively they are proud to present fans with a matchup of two fantastic teams who could not be more intrinsically different in style of play. This is a tough one to guess. Okay. I'm going to go – is Alabama one of the teams? No. Okay. Then I'm completely thrown off. I'll tell you what I did for this one. How about that? I literally just sorted by tempo on Ken Palm and found, like, the best decent team that plays very fast against the best decent team that plays very slow. Okay. Arizona versus Texas. Bingo. Good job, sweetie. I'm just fast on Ken Palm. So, I wouldn't have gotten it otherwise. Yeah, good work. I That was too hard of one to guess, but a game I would really enjoy seeing. Uh, everybody's super high on Arizona right now. They just had the whole Tennessee. I'm going to call it a debacle because I honestly do think it was a debacle. Like, they just didn't play for the first two media timeouts, and then they were like, oh, shit, there's a game going on, and then they were what everyone expected them to be in that game. And, like, I get that that happens, especially on the road, but also, like, I'm, I would just love to see like a team we think could be the number one team actually show up in the big game when they're supposed to be the number one team. And nobody keeps passing that test. Baylor included. Like that game against Oregon was another drop the ball game for a team who's supposed to be the best team to me. So uh, I would love to see these teams play because I feel like Texas and Chris Beard are going to turn things around. I don't know when. I know they haven't been good or at least as good as they're supposed to be. But like I still believe and I'm probably blinded by my belief in Chris Beard. Uh, Sweeney, are you as high as everyone else on Arizona at this point? Like, are they the Pac-12 favorite? Yeah, I think they're the best in the Pac-12. I love this group. I think Matherin, I mean, he balled out again against Tennessee. Every single game that I watch them, I just see something else about this team that I like. I thought even in that Tennessee game, I mean, the refereeing was horrible. Uh, Kirk Carissa took some completely boneheaded shots in the final five minutes of the game. And I just still felt like I came away impressed with how they battled on the road. I think it's a great, great Tennessee team. So I'm, I'm in on the ball still. Carter, have you forgiven Texas for what they did to us last year yet? Uh, no, I have not. Not completely. I, I just find myself saying, like, at what point am I going to stop convincing myself that just because they have Chris Beer that they're going to get it together? Like, is this team going to get it together? Like, are they like, how long is it going to take them to turn the corner? I mean, what conference play is here? You know, it's, you, you like to be playing your best basketball going into conference play or maybe, you know, going into the tournament, but, you know, I just don't know if they necessarily are going to be able to kind of, you know, take that turn. And when I think like those good Texas tech teams, it wasn't necessarily having just all this talent. It was having like a lot of pieces that fit extremely well together 
with like a combination of talent. Like I think this Texas team has talent, but I do not know if they're going to be able to mesh with each other and pull it together. They already got people transferring midseason. Seems like some things are going on over there. I don't really like the vibes of Texas right now. So as much as I love Beard, uh, you know, it's kind of a, a hard, you know, situation for me to kind of get on the Texas train right now. Carter, you have a ramping up agenda that I can sense that I don't even know if you realize this. Can I can I tease this to you on an agenda I think I see coming from you? Sure. You have an agenda against these quote unquote up and coming elite coaches. I've heard some rumblings from you about Nate Oates. I've heard some rumblings from you about Chris Beard. Am I am I getting the sense here that you kind of want to call out these coaches that haven't won anything yet that are starting to get the love like they're the elite of the elite? No, I love Chris Beard. That's that's not a, I, this is not really slander to Chris Beard as much as Texas as a team. Uh, as far as how his team is put together, I don't really necessarily like it. It just doesn't really work for me. Nate Oates, on the other hand, there's some things that maybe need to be talked about. OK, I mean, he dresses extremely nice and plays really fun basketball. But sometimes you got to shine that turret a little bit and it still stinks. OK. That's all I'm saying. Like the the agenda hasn't come full circle yet. The dialogue has not started yet because I still think Nate Oates is a really good coach. But also, like if you want to, you know, word the Dennis Green, you want to crown his ass, go ahead and crown his ass. But he's got to show me first. Okay, I I wasn't sure if Chris Beer was going to be lumped into that group yet. Apparently not at this point. That's fine. Uh, Sweeney, does Texas factor into the Big 12 race at all or no? I don't think they're good enough to win the league. I will say it's kind of I find it interesting. You know, Beard talked about like modernizing things offensively and like playing more ball screens. Like, is it at all concerning to people that Texas's offense is mediocre right now and they're 356th in tempo? Yeah. Right? Like, to be like, oh man, like we're going to get, like, we're going to get pros. Like, look at the staff they built. Like, this team was built to be like, let's go get McDonald's All Americans, like the top five transfers. And then they turn around and play some Virginia tempo. I mean, that's. That's a little concerning to me. I mean, I get that Beard is like a lot of coaches are stuck in their ways and they say, Oh, you know, I'm going to run ball screens. And then they get, they get to practice. Like now it's like run our motion. You know, that's just what Beard is doing right now. But it's like, at some point, like like, you just recruited Arterio Morris for 22. Are you going to like force Arterio Morris to like screen off ball and like cut a bunch? Like, no, no, give him the rock and go cook. Like, and I think they have the talent right now to be like letting some guys go cook. And they're instead just kind of like, running some running some sets and I don't, I don't love it right now so i'm a little i'm a little confused i think this is a good team I, I mean they're really good defensively they're talented enough but you know i think that's a concern i'll be in shambles if i have to watch artero morris play like reese beekman i will be an absolute <laughs> shambles sweeney i'll tell you right now and then my agenda that greg is teasing at will take full force i promise you that here's my fear with beard right now and maybe i'm blinded with my big 10 stuff again but like I can't fathom how any system or any coach can make Marcus Carr look so horrible. And like, I know Marcus Carr was never the most efficient guy, but like Marcus Carr was a hooper at the very least. Like he was a dog. He was a bucket. And like the Marcus Carr that I see at Texas this year is just a total non-factor. He's not even a guy. Like he's a guy who takes shots because he feels like he has to take a shot if he hasn't shot in a while. And I know it's a weird dynamic with the backcourt with uh, Andrew Jones, Courtney Ramey. Like, I, I loved Andrew Jones and Courtney Framey last year. I said Texas's backcourt was my favorite in the country with Matt Coleman. At this point, like, I'm just convinced that Jones and Ramey might be a little toxic. Like, dudes that just haven't improved at all, but have been there for forever. And 
What do you even do with those guys? I, I don't know what to think. This feels like something's off with this team. But at the end of the day, like, I still do believe Marcus Carr is supposed to be like a killer. And I'm waiting for the moment that he looks like that on a Chris Beard team. But like you said, with tempo and their offense in general right now, I don't know if that's going to come. So my eyes are all over them. I feel like Arizona would blow Texas out if they played today. But bowl games happen at the end of the season. So eh, I'm still going to take Arizona, but I feel like it might be closer than it would be right now. Do you guys agree? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Clean sweep for Zona. There's two bowl games left here. Sweeney, it's yours. Where do you want to go here? Uh. Let's do the I can't believe it's not Butter Bowl. I, I'm so glad you brought us there. The I can't believe it's not Butter Bowl recognizes not everything is what it seems. These two historically mediocre programs are deserving of their own moment in the spotlight. And this is the year they deserve it. What am I talking about? Hmm. Historically mediocre. Oh, historically mediocre, Kevin Sweeney. These are this is like a hard definition. You know, like is is historically mediocre, you know, like Purdue or historically mediocre Auburn, you know, like I, I, I would think that you are pretty familiar with this historically mediocre program. Oh, uh, if we're if we're if we're if we're pulling the wildcats into this, I mean that's I feel like you could consider them below mediocre. Like I would consider Northwestern historically bad, but <laughs> I'll sure. take it. Northwestern won. Um, <laughs> and then who else is historically mediocre, but maybe a little bit on the come up here. The second one's a little less historically mediocre than Northwestern, but I would still consider them historically mediocre. Hmm. Texas Tech? Yeah. This is a complete guess. Right conference, oh, wow. wrong team. Carter, help him out. Oh, wait. Is it Iowa State? It's Iowa State, Northwestern, Iowa State. This is the most bowl gamey bowl game matchup I could think of. Are we, these uh, teams Iowa State historically mediocre? I'm calling them historically mediocre. Yeah. These teams did play already this season in a secret scrimmage in Davenport, Ohio, on a or Davenport, Iowa, excuse me, on a, like October 25th. So I think this bowl game is null and void. What and happened? Now, in, what happened in that secret scrimmage, Sweeney? Or I was told you? Iowa State quote played closer than than they expected to. So Northwestern won it. But that was like Iowa State played better than they thought they were going to because at that point people were like Iowa State might go like five and twenty. So, wow, uh, Sweeney Northwestern, that's your squad, that's your program. Like, is this a potential at large team? Yeah, I mean, I think they are. I think the talent is is good enough to be in that conversation without a doubt. Um, they've got a, I think a guy is going to get drafted in Pete Nance. I mean, he has been unbelievable. He's the only. He's, he'd be the only high major player since the sports reference database started. So 1992 to average eight rebounds, three assists and two blocks a game. And he's also shooting 44% from three. Like he's, he is like 85% of Keegan Murray. It's pretty impressive. He's really good. Uh, and, and boo boo. I mean, I think where, where this thing, where the rubber meets the road with Northwestern is boo booey, right? Like boo booey last year against the Michigan state Spartans, like balls out against Ohio state. He balls out. And then the rest of the season, like he just goes to judge where he can't make a shot. He goes to judge where he's turned the ball over like crazy. He goes to judge where he's completely a non-factor. And I think a lot of that was he got beat up. Like he got physically worn down by big 10 competition because he's like 170 pounds. I mean, he's he's skinny guy. Um, And this year he's been really, really good. 
he's been consistent. He's taking care of the basketball. He's not shooting it great, but like he, he's the explosive shooting the basketball and he's enough of a threat where like you have to respect him when he's, you know, you can't go under a screen against Boo Booey. Like he's going to, he's going to hit a shot. The question I have is like, when you get into a stretch where you play high major, high major, high major, you know, three, four games in 10 days against big 10 teams, is that going to fade? And my worry is it is. And that's why I don't think Northwestern makes the tournament. If you ask me today to bet one side or the other, but I think they have the pieces to be right in that conversation. I'm not mad at that. And honestly, I want a Northwestern. I need a North, I need Northwestern attorney because I think that boo booey has the makings to have like a run in March. Like, can I, can I tell a great sleepers media version, uh, sleepers media podcast, a boo booey story? Please. Yes, please. Cause I, this is like a, something I couldn't tell on most podcasts, but this is, this is the right, this is the right platform for it. So, as a Northwestern alum, I took a class with Boo Boo. It was an intro to Middle East studies class. And it was, it was during Boo's freshman year. Um, and Boo came in late to the first day of class and sat in the front of the room with uh, former Northwestern center, Jared Jones, who transferred, away, transferred out. And he sat, he sat the first day and did his thing. And that, that day we were assigned a, a quiz for the next class where we had to label all the countries in the Middle East. And you didn't get like a word bank or anything. You just had to just label the label the countries. That was the next, that was for the next class. So Boo showed up late again to the second day of class and sat in the front and took his quiz. And I could see from a couple of rows away that that Mr. Bowie um, clearly had not prepared for this quiz, had had no idea the countries in, in the Middle East and North Africa. Um, so he's looking at this. He's probably got 20, 25% of this quiz completed at most after like 10 minutes. So this is, you know, if you know it, you know it. If you don't, you know on this quiz. Without a doubt. So the professor's like, all right, we're going to you know, start collecting collecting the quizzes. And so Boo's sitting in the front. He hands, hands her the quiz that's like mostly blank. And she looks down at it. She says, you have to write your name on this. And I see the quiz from a distance. He had just written on the name line, Boo. No last name. <laughs> no explanation that his name is not actually Boo. It's Daniel. Just Boo. So the man had to had to put his, his full name on the quiz that he failed. But he did come back to class. He was in class most days. He was on time most days after that. Um, was there a class period where I saw him with AirPods in watching Netflix on his computer? Yes, there was. But I'm pretty sure he passed the class. And uh, good, good old Northwestern athlete right there. Shout out to Boo Carter, I mean, first of all, phenomenal story. Thank you, Sweeney. Thank you. Carter, Thank you. I, like – a dude named Boo, you always want a dude like that on your team, right? Yes. Also, we've, we've seen firsthand our Boo Booey story. We've seen hashtag nightclub Boo on a Thursday <laughs> night in Chicago. Like, we've seen that up close and personal the night before a game. So, I was going to say, like, Sweeney, you talking about he went hard against Ohio State. He went hard against Michigan State. Then he took his ass to the club in Chicago and went hard the last two years whenever they're not playing those schools. So I'm rooting for Boo Booey. I love that. Boo Booey is much cooler than your average Northwestern basketball player. I feel like yeah. he, he is not, he's not like a John Sherna, you know, it's and like literally it, he goes by Boo Booey. Like that's all you need to know. That is a elite name that is needed for March. And also Pete needs his respect as well. I love Pete. Yeah, Pete the, is, Pete's a friend of the pod. One of my favorites from big 10 media day. Saddest moment of Big Ten Media Day by far was when Northwestern came out. I forget the other two teams that were there with them, but like nobody went to Northwestern's booth at all. And Pete Nance is just sitting there sadly alone at a table like, 
yeah, I'm about to be a 50, 40, 90 guy on a team that could sneak into the tournament this year, but nobody wants to talk to me. Like it legitimately broke my heart. Also, Pete Nance went to the restaurant we were at the night before uh, his appearance at yes. Media Day. I so forgot was, that. Yes. Yeah. Big guy. Uh, I'm rooting for Pete Nance as well. I like that 85% of Keegan Murray comparison. And again, he might actually be a 50, 40, 90 guy. So I hope he gets drafted. He looked good in a Detroit Pistons uniform, to be honest with you. Um, all right. So Northwestern Iowa State. If these two teams were to play, is it Big Ten bias to say I'm taking Northwestern? I think it's a lot closer than their AP rankings appear. I still think Iowa State would win it because I think their defense at the rim is too good, but it would be a really close game. Like it would like it should be a battle, and that's not like a oh wow, Northwestern's really good. That's like Iowa State is as good as they've been. They're not the tenth best or the eighth best in the country. Like that's that's going to fade very quickly. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not a liar. I have yet to watch Iowa State play basketball this year. Um, but, you know, it's cute what they're doing. But I'm taking Northwestern. I'm taking Nance and Bowie in the gang. Okay. All right. And if they win, Sweeney will be happy. And I love when Sweeney is happy. So there's that. Northwestern gets the job. Uh, let's move on to the last one, Carter. You don't even have to read it off the list. I'll read it for you, my friend. And we are sponsoring this bowl ourselves. This is the Sleepers Media Ken Palm Bowl. Sleepers and their good friends, Ken Pomeroy, bring you a matchup between two of the most successful programs in college basketball history who, contrary to popular belief, just so happen to be nearly identical on Ken Palm as of today's date this season. Carter, any guesses on who I'm talking about here? It honestly, just because it's sleepers, I'm going to say it's Michigan, Michigan State. Carter, if you were asked right now without opening Ken Palm, actually, I don't even need to tell you that because there's no way you have Ken Palm open right now. What no, number know. is Michigan State and what number is Michigan on Ken Pomeroy's beautiful rankings, my friend? Well, the, the because you actually made this bowl, let me guess, Michigan is probably 17 and Michigan State is – 24 Michigan is 16th and Michigan state is 17th. My friend, Mm. Michigan is one spot higher than your Michigan state Spartans, despite being seven and four, despite Michigan state being 10 and two, they are statistically very similar offensively, both in the twenties defensively, Michigan state, a little better at 16, Michigan at 22nd. They played two different styles. They've played two different strength of schedules. They've had differing results. But Ken Palm knows all, my friend. And Ken Palm tells us these teams are quite similar. What do you make of this, Cart? Uh, I make that one team has four losses and one team doesn't. Okay. One team goes out there on a nightly basis and wins games. One team beats Minnesota. One team loses the Minnesota at home. Uh, there's, it's just, you know, like Meek Mill said, there's levels to this shit. Uh, there's Michigan State level. And then, you know, there's the boys in maize and blue. Like, they're cool. Juwan Howard, Cabbage Patch, Fab Five, whatever the fuck they want to talk about. But the fact of the matter is they take losses at home in November. Yuck, okay? They, they have battles with a Minnesota basketball team and lose at home. Yuck, could not be my team. So Ken Palm, he makes mistakes. He ain't God, all right? So obviously, he maybe carried the one we shouldn't have carried it because Michigan State is a better team than Michigan basketball at this point. Carter, you were quoted less than seven days ago as stating that Michigan State played great in a game in which they survived Jamal Kane's best punch. 
That is the state of this Michigan State program right now. Sweeney is an outsider here. Which team between these two teams is not – I don't want who's better right now. That's Michigan State. I'll say that. Which team will go farther in March, Michigan or Michigan State? I still think probably Michigan State. I, I will, I'm not, like, fully convinced on the Spartans. Like, I think the hype train is taken off a bit too early. But I, th- I think they're a good basketball team. They're solid in every way. They have, you know, certainly the rim protection – They've got different guys stepping up on different nights. You know, Brown has been really solid. Hall, every time I watch him, balls out. I don't – I think there's multiple people who say this, but, like, there's a few guys – there's a few people in the media that just, like, every time they watch Malik Hall, he just doesn't miss a shot. And that just kind of seems to be the thing he's doing again. So, I think it's a good basketball team. I think it's a second weekend potential NCAA tournament team. I think they have that in them. And I think Michigan just has a lot to work on, and I think a lot of things that – are not going to be easy to fix offensively. And so because of that, I think, you know, I, I think Michigan State's a better team. I do think Michigan will improve. I think Juwan will start to kind of find some rotations that make sense. It's just, it's taking some time right now. And I think that happens. I, I said this, uh, I forget where I said this, but a lot of times people think about coaches as like constants. Coaches are like players. They can have good years and bad years. Sometimes they're just not seeing it, right? And sometimes it's hard to hard to quite put together or you're, you know, you're seeing information in practice. It's not like clicking the game. Sometimes coach has a bad year. They don't play the right rotation. They don't recruit the right guys. I think Juwan's having a slightly bad year right now. And you know, he'll probably shoot the ball better than he has, you know, so far. You know, he's, he's probably like a 28% three-point shooter this season. Like that was how it represents a Juwan Howard job right now. He'll get into like 32, 33. I think on the aggregate, he's probably 37 for his career. But, you know, and maybe last year was 40. Like right now, he's, he's going to be like a 33 this year. And that's okay. Yeah, he's John Howard just really the man. power forward version of Penny Hardaway. No, <laughs> God no, Sweeney. You want to answer that for me? Yeah, it's it's not it's not close. Thank I apologize. You. Thank you. I, this is what I have to deal with every single day. I like the uh, the comparison you just made. Right now, Jawan Howard is in a Duncan Robinson senior year esque shooting slump or shooting slump. That was sorry, really impressive. Uh, yeah, I, Duncan. Impressive. Duncan like shot in the twenties. I'm pretty sure from like November through the beginning of January. And then by March, all of a sudden he figured it out. That's what I'm hoping happens with Juwan, but I'm on record as saying, if there was a coach of the year award last year, Juwan deserved it. If there was a worst coach of the year award right now, Juwan would deserve that. I still think this team is top 10 talent in the country. And right now they haven't even played like a top 30 team in the country. So somehow, I mean, there's still some preseason stuff going on with these Kempom rankings. But I also think there's a little mix here of like Michigan maybe hasn't been as bad as people think they've looked like they blew that Seton Hall game, which, again, that's an L in the column. I get it. But like also, if they won that Seton Hall game, we probably feel a lot differently about their resume. They got blown out by Arizona on a neutral. Nobody knew how good Arizona was. They lost at North Carolina. Okay, true road game at North Carolina. The inexcusable one is obviously Minnesota. They didn't have it that night, but like. A 14-point win against San Diego State looks pretty good. A home win against Buffalo looks pretty good. Like, I don't know that this team is necessarily as bad as their record shows. Michigan State, I don't know if they're as good as their 10-2 record shows. Like, Loyola and Connecticut, definitely good win. Okay. Good win. This is exactly why we go over on our time all the time, because you just got done giving me shit about talking about a Jamal Kane game, and then you're going to circle that back around with a – we had a nice 14-point win against San Diego State and survived a Buffalo onslaught. That's what you're really going to do right now? Yeah, San Diego State's not far off from UConn, by the way. 
statistically. Like I'm, I think those teams are not far off. And my eyes tell me that's not the case, though. Thank you, thank you, because that's what we watch our games with, don't we, Sweeney? Some of us. Two things. (laughs) Some of us. And you know what? These two things. These These two things have saw saw four of these by your team. But those those two things have not seen any Iowa State games this year, Carter. That's true. That's facts. And they probably won't, to be honest, until the tournament time. I'm really good on that. You're not watching Baylor, Iowa State on New Year's Day? Okay, I am watching that. That I will watch. That'll be your excuse. Yeah. Carter, I have one more question for you before we go. If if State had played Michigan's schedule, what's their record? Are you giving them a loss at North Carolina, a loss home to Arizona, or neutral to Arizona, and a loss home to Seton Hall? I think we lose to Arizona. Those other two games we win. So you think Michigan State is eleven and one or ten and one playing Michigan schedule with just a loss to Arizona? Okay. All right. We'll see. Big game for Michigan State coming up against Northwestern, as I've noted on multiple shows. Bubui. I mean, he's he has a history with the Spartans. Huge game. The, the, the Sweeney and Carter Bowl, if we're doing that. We'll see how it goes. Uh, I guess I need formal on the record. Sleepers Media, Ken Palm Bowl, winners. I would say that Michigan beats Michigan State. Shocking. I'm going Michigan State. I'll say Michigan State. All right, 2-1 for the Spartans. All right, rapid fire. There's four teams that did not get a bowl invite from me. That's because they made the semifinals, the final four for me. Uh, Anyone want to take stabs at who those four teams are? They're the four best teams I didn't mention, I would say. Baylor, Purdue, Duke. Three for three. I don't know who the fourth would be. It's it's not Houston. UCLA? UCLA. Thank you, Cart. It's not Houston. Houston was disqualified by injury, sadly. Uh, All right. So the way I've broken this up, here's my final four, folks. I got Baylor versus UCLA in the Sports Illustrated Bowl. And I have Duke versus Purdue in the Field of 68 Bowl. A couple shout-outs to a couple people I like there. Uh, let's just go one by one and predict those games, and we can do a midseason national champion. Baylor versus UCLA. Give me Baylor. Yeah. Baylor would put Johnny Juzang in a, in a torture chamber. Yeah. Johnny Juzang does not want to see Kendall Brown. I'll tell you that right now. Give me Baylor. Nobody wants to see Kendall Brown. He's one of my favorite players to watch in the country right now. All right. Baylor moves on. Duke versus Purdue in the field of 68 bowl. I'm torn on this one. I want to go last. Carter, you go first. I'm picking Purdue. I don't I don't trust Purdue's guards to handle Duke's ball pressure. I think Wendell Moore is the best guard in this game over Jaden Knott. Maybe that's maybe that's a hot take, but I don't I don't think it is right now. Wow. As long as uh, as long as Paolo Bencaro can stop sweating in the second half, I think this uh I think this Duke team is is better than this Purdue team right now. Wow. Okay, so I've been on record saying that this is the year Matt Painter breaks through and finally gets the credit as an elite coach in college basketball. But I think that that breakthrough will result in a Final Four this year, not a national championship. So I'm going to take Duke. And I, I, I truly do think this is like a storybook type ending for Coach K where he gets back there one more time his final year. Duke versus Baylor, defending champs versus the retiring coach. Sweeney, you go first here. Man, the... The narrative would be off the charts for this game. Just just off the charts. Um, I'm going to say, I, I would say Duke. I think Duke at their best 
the best game Duke has played this year is the best a team will play this year, in my my, my opinion. I think Baylor's going to be the most consistent. I think they're outstanding defensively, but I just think Duke has the shot makers and the the combination of shot making athleticism that no one else has right now. So if you made me pick a team right now, it'd be Duke. Look, they're not going to go undefeated in the ACC, even though the ACC's weak. They're going to lose a random game. Like they're going to lose at Clemson. And people are going to be like, wow, you know, is Duke broken? It's like, no, it's just, just what they do. I think this is the best team in the country right now. If you like put a gun to my head, like the, the highest ceiling team, at least, is the Duke Blue Devils. So I'll take them to win this one. Carter? I'm going Baylor in this one. A couple of reasons on this. One, the absolute joy it would bring me to watch Coach K leave the floor for the last time as a loser. That would really bring me joy. I'm sorry. Is what it is. Uh, also, the fact of the matter is Duke is an extremely talented team. And I do think Wendell Moore is one of the better guards in the country. But to me, he's like their swing man. He's their three. I think people are overlooking the fact that their starting point guard is still Jeremy Roach. And that, you know, that Trevor Keels Champions Classic game was cute as hell. But now he's shooting like 30% from the field, three, and not even shooting that well from the three point or from the free throw line as well. And it's about to get cold outside. He's going to have less walking going on. He's going to get a couple – he's going to put on that winter 15, get a little chunky again. Uh, Yeah, I'm going with Baylor in this game. Okay, so here's where I struggle. I think Baylor is the better basketball team. I cannot mentally get myself to a point where I see back-to-back national championships for Scott Drew and Baylor. I just don't think it happens – like, I think maybe in March come bracket time, like I might pick them to lose sooner than the title game just because I can't see it depending on matchups. And in these hypothetical matchups I brought to the table, really like Baylor's chances. But like, I just, I can't mentally get myself there. I don't think this is a dynasty. I think this Baylor's team's really good, but I don't think they have the guard play to repeat as champs. And I don't think they're the best team in the country right now. I think if I could trust that Paolo Bencaro is not just going to like disappear into the tunnel for 15 minutes in the second half, I would think this is Duke running away. I really do, but I don't trust that that's going to happen. Like his whole sweating thing is ridiculous to me. Somebody get a medic on that situation before we get to March. Cause I'm just going to get annoyed if that actually happens in the NCAA tournament. Uh, and Carter, your point about Trevor Keels is a great one. Ultimately I, the one name we haven't mentioned with Duke, is Mark Williams. And Mark Williams has been surprisingly dominant in a way I didn't expect from him this season, especially when he's been thrown up against other really prestigious front courts. I don't think you're talking, talking about Zed Key's son. Uh, maybe, maybe here or there. You could argue that EJ Liddell had a big say in that game against a couple freshman wings on the Duke team, maybe more so than Mark Williams, but it is what it is. I just I don't think he, or I don't think Mark Williams is going to be spooked in March. And they have Ben Carroll. And they have Coach K. So give me the storybook ending. Give me the Cinderella voodoo fairy tale. La, la, la. Da, da, da. As Carter Elliott would say, Duke Blue Devils are the sleepers podcast midseason national champions. Are you sick to your stomach about that, Carter? It seems like. I can't believe that one shining moment playing as Coach K walks off the floor for the last time brings you joy. It's good for the sport, man. And that's our industry now. This is like, you know, as we're trying to be the next Kevin Sweeney, like. You know, what's good for the sport is good for us. It would be it would be great for for Sports Illustrated business if uh, if Coach K won a national title walking out. I'll say that. That's true. Well, I guess it's good for you, Sweeney, but I'll tell you right now, there'd be a rant 
or hour-long podcast episode about how sick I am that I would had to be subjected to watching that. Just saying. Car, you know what would be good for the Sleepers podcast? If Michigan beat Michigan State the first time they play. Because our MSU shows don't ever do numbers, and our Michigan ones always do. So can we root for that for content purposes? Can you get behind that for the good of the team? Yeah, true. Well, that's because Michigan State fans are too busy watching their team be good. You know, Michigan fans don't have anything to watch right now except for teams losing to Minnesota, so they got to look for podcasts to listen to. And that's why we're here. That is why we're here. All right. Well, this was fun, fellas. This is like an hour and a half uh, of just ridiculous hypothetical talk. So thank you both for engaging in this with me. Sweeney, please plug your work. Tell the people where they can find you. Although if they're listening to this, I'd assume they already know who you are and they probably need to know who we are. So if you want to plug us instead of you, you can <laughs> do that as well. But go ahead. Major shout out to Libris Media. Uh, outstanding, outstanding content and also outstanding people. It's a good combination. So encourage you all to stay if i if, if you found it because of a sweeney retweet stick around uh i'm at cbb underscore central on twitter it's where you can find all my content si.com lots of lots of good stuff to come got a lot of good uh road trips planned for the earliest part of the uh early part of conference play so hopefully covid doesn't wipe all those games out so i can go watch some high quality basketball hope you guys will enjoy the content once i'm there of course must follow on twitter content is always great sweeney appreciate you card always when you're in big 10 country. Give us a call, Sweeney. Thank you for doing this, brother. Appreciate it.